0: In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. This is Jim Hoffman. And this is
1: Josh
2: Knapp
1: have our intro thing don't want to play the intro, I'm gonna shut that off because
2: I love that intro.
1: Uh I do I i edit in when I edit the show only because the quality of the audio is a little bit better when I do it on my end. So but for our purposes here we don't absolutely have to have the intro. But
2: I will you say can, through the magic of radio you can edit that in later. That's right. That's right. So our live listeners don't get to hear this snappy <laughs> intro?
1: No, they don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't be too disappointed. Well sometimes you know I will let it play. It depends. I, I have to try it again actually because actually the new interface here on the show. Um but the listeners can't see, but I have been using it. And it might be that they've changed the um output. So i have to let it play. Maybe next maybe I'll do the I'll do the the end audio today. Mm-hmm. See what that sounds like so this way see how that works out. But I want to mention before we get too far into the show that this episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. Uh, You can get a free customized trial of their innovative and easy-to-use EMS employee scheduling and management software. Just head on over to uh, emsmanager.net, and you can get get a hold of that and and, uh, give it a test drive. I'm going to go ahead and, and talk a little bit more about them later on in the show. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at EMS Safe. Uh, Josh in particular is at is new on Twitter. And our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash EMS Office Hours. Um, we can go ahead and sign up there and become a fan of the page. And, and just remember, if you have any angry emails, send them to Jim. There's no, no angry emails here on the show. We are a happy, go lucky, Show. And will let me reiterate that yes. is And I say, and, then, and I want to put quotation marks around the go lucky part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're in EMS,
2: so there's not much luck. It's mostly planning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to be getting some callers in here today um, talking about uh, aphasia and uh, a little bit about, um, you know, how it plays a role uh, uh, when it comes to EMS. And you see a lot of stuff out there, Josh, about uh, patients with with special needs um, that you encounter, you know, autistic patients. That's a big one, right? A lot of autistic stuff going on out there, and then training on on autistic patients and and how to you know approach these patients that are a little bit different than you would the everyday you know patient, and um, you know, and aphasia. I think is one of those um, disorders that uh, kind of you know deserves some some attention you know well, to, to kinda of highlight that. We're gonna once we get the calls in here, we've got the you know, uh and that's Gansfried from the uh, the uh, National Association, uh Aphasia Association is gonna be joining us. Um so once she gets on here we'll get started with that. But just um I don't know, I thought this was a great topic and you know, you brought this to my attention, Josh, uh a friend of yours that's also a paramedic, um who has this disorder. Yeah. And, uh, and a it's good idea.
2: Uh, and it's an oft misunderstood and better maybe the words are misinterpreted um, yeah. uh, issue that affects a lot of people around the country and you know we in EMS sort of are you know. In our physical examination, you know, we always talk about this, Jim, when does it start? It starts when, you know, when does our building of the scene in our mind start? It starts when we get the call. Uh And then when we get on scene, we have to go further. You know, who is this talking to us? What do they look like, their general appearance? And one of the things that we gauge this from is how they communicate with us. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, you look at uh folks with aphasia not knowing that this is the the problem. They understand you perfectly well, but they have problems getting, you know, in communication. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't want to get too much into it cuz I know we're going to have from um, uh, you know, Elaine uh jumping on here in a few minutes. and I want to I want to be able to, again, sort of direct some questions to her about it and uh, give her a chance to give, you know, her end of it, um, you know, so I don't want to start uh, sort of... You mean you allergy. just
2: want to go with the expert instead of, yeah, you know, instead my, of me yeah, sure.
1: mumbling on and, you know, talking about it from, you know... Because I can make guesses, I you know, I, I've seen stuff. Well, like we always say in the show, got we a, never... I got a pamphlet once. Yeah, we never, like I said, even on this show, we never really... Um, no, we don't have answers on this show.
2: We don't. You
1: know, That's we why we bring got on lots people of, who got do lots have of the opinions. answers. Got lots of opinions, though.
2: But we bring the people who do
1: have the answers, exactly. don't we? Well, we try to anyway. Oh, yeah. we, or, or if we don't bring people that have the answers, we bring people who have um, better, better opinions, <laughs> than we do an educated anyway. idea, I'd yeah. like to say. It's crazy. It's crazy well, talk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so the thing, while we're waiting, I want to mention um, uh, one of my services that I have uh, uh, for paramedics and paramedic students is uh, something called TurboMedic, and this is a members-only uh, website. Um, and I just started a program there that is on uh, a way to, for members to earn points just by visiting the site, commenting on content within the site, Oh, you were talking about this the other day. This is really a yeah. cool idea. I like and, this. And what what happens is when they get X amount of points, um, they're able to kind of cash in those points, to redeem those points for additional content. And the additional content, let's say if you're a free member, that additional content is access to key areas of uh, premium content that's available only for paid members. Um, if you're a paid member, then you're getting content, anything from um, accredited online continuing education to um, web-based study applications, um, stuff that uh, isn't available to really anybody. Uh, paid or otherwise, and there's sort of just um, incentives that uh, I've been given to TurboMedic in order to encourage people to use these products and services. And you know, and the products and services that I've I've checked out and used myself and and find very useful. So I figure, why not go ahead and find a an, uh, sort of a creative way to uh, let m- members uh, take advantage of it. So anyway, anyone listening, you want to go check it out. You can go to TurboMedic.com. And join as a free member or a, a premium member. Either way, you can. And as soon as you join, actually, you're going you get 100 points just for joining. So you start out at 100 points right off the bat. So you know, give that a shot. Um, and that's at the end for that little we'll, we'll update on that website. Um, All right. Um, I do have the caller. I'm to see who this is. Uh, see who the caller is, and we can hopefully get started. Hello, you're on with Jim and Josh. Who is this?
3: Hi, this is Elaine Gansfried.
1: Hi, Elaine. How are you doing?
3: I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh,
1: all right, all right. Um, Elaine, we, we, we sort of told the listeners already that you were going to be joining us. Um, so what I think, before we get too much into uh, aphasia and, and getting an idea of what it is and whatnot, I thought it would be a great idea maybe you could just give a quick Sort of overview of who you are and, and your role and and, and your your um, you know uh, experience and, and uh, uh, knowledge when it comes to aphasia.
3: Sure thing. So uh, as, as I said, my name is Elaine Gansfried. I'm actually a speech language pathologist, and uh, I've been the executive director of the National Aphasia Association uh, for just about seven years. Um, prior to that, I've um, Manage several uh, hospital speech and hearing departments. I'm also an adjunct instructor at Adelphi, and uh, I've been very involved with um, the uh, New York State Speech Language Hearing Association. I'm a past president and a past president of the Long Island Speech and Hearing Association, and also involved with the American Speech Language Hearing Association. I've been on several committees and. Uh, and I've been a speech-language pathologist for a long time, so uh, I've been, and um, so I've always worked with people with aphasia throughout my career. But obviously, in the last seven years, I've devoted uh, a lot more time to um, those with aphasia, but also to the advocacy and the education and the outreach part of it.
2: What got um, you into this area of study?
3: Um, actually, it was a coincidence that I ended up. Uh, with the National Phage Association, but um, I've always enjoyed working with adults, and um, it's always been an area of interest of mine. And when the opportunity presented itself, uh, it's a great uh, combination of my clinical background, as uh, and then my administrative skills to be able to run the association and also go out and educate people.
2: Very cool. Uh, go ahead, Jim.
3: I was going to say, I think we
1: have we have another call on the line, which I think it's, it's Avi joining us. So hopefully this is him. Uh, Avi, is that you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah. All right, great, great. All right, well, you're on with us, Avi, along with uh, Elaine uh, and Josh. Um, so uh, anything that we talk about, um, you know, today, we'll, we'll get a little bit over to you in a few minutes, Avi. That's okay, just to kind of get a little bit of your background, but I think maybe what we'll do is just, uh, just let Elaine maybe give us some, some information as far as what exactly aphasia is. We can maybe start out with that and, and go from there.
3: Okay, well, I think that's a good place to start. Uh, so aphasia is an acquired communication disorder, and uh, it impairs a person's ability to process language, um, but it does not affect intelligence. And that's very, very important to understand. Um, People with aphasia have difficulty speaking and understanding others, and many people with aphasia also have difficulty reading and writing. Uh, Aphasia affects people in different ways. Uh, However, uh, it's almost like the words are trapped in the person's head and they can't get them out, and so their intelligence is intact. Um, And that's important to know. Stroke is actually the most common cause of aphasia. About 25 to 40 percent of all stroke survivors will have aphasia, but uh, you can also acquire aphasia from brain injury, um, neurological conditions, brain tumors, um, and uh, actually migraine headaches also. There's a, um, a correlation between a history of migraines um, and aphasia. Huh.
2: How common? Uh is aphasia within the uh, adult population? I mean, is this something so, that's being found yeah. more and more or identified more and more, uh, sort of like uh, some of the, uh, I guess you could say some of the common afflictions uh, for childhood where uh, years ago uh, ADD wasn't really considered, uh, you know, it's considered a, not a common malady, and now it seems to be uh, fairly widespread as we identify different areas.
3: Well, interestingly, you know, aphasia um, has actually, the the term uh, was identified in the 1800s, so it's been around for a very long time. Uh, The problem is that uh, because it's a symptom of something else, uh, a stroke or brain injury, Oftentimes, people don't know the name attached to it, but they know that they have difficulty with communication. Um, right now, we, there are probably a million and a half people in the United States with aphasia, and there's about 200,000 new cases each year. Uh, it's more common than cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy, or spinal cord injuries, yet most people have never heard of it. Uh, if you think about there being 800,000 strokes a year, which is the current statistic, 25 to 40% of those with stroke will have aphasia to one extent or another. So that's a fair amount of people with aphasia.
2: And and we're talking about something that's more profound than just an inability to find the right words, right? We're talking
3: Absolutely.
2: about uh, – can you get into that a little bit more?
3: Sure. Well, you know, it, it impacts – when you think about it, communication is what we do. It's what makes us human. It impacts all areas of – Our life, and so people with aphasia, um, you know, are uh, become socially isolated because if you can't communicate, um, then many are prone to depression. Uh, If you think about it, you know, every everyday activities like taking part in a conversation, you need to be able to communicate, to read a book, to follow the television, to write a letter, uh, to use numbers and money. All those things have to do with communication and language, and so. Um, it affects everything that we do, and um, actually seventy percent of people with aphasia uh, can 't return to their former um, uh, type of employment, so it doesn 't mean that they can 't work, but obviously they need to do something slightly differently um, right. and The other important thing to to know now is people used to think that strokes and aphasia were only for older people, and you know very soon avi will prove you wrong, but um, we're seeing younger and younger people with aphasia, and many more people with aphasia that are under the age of uh, 50.
2: And I'm and I'm assuming also that the condition runs the entire gambit of the spectrum, from you know uh, the the very mild to the very severe. Um, Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, look. I, I run a business on the side, I, I volunteer, I do this show, and I work full-time, and often I'm, I, I sometimes think that, uh, you know, I have some form of it because I, I just can't find the right words in conversation. But I have a feeling that's much different from uh, sort of a a, a a biological or a, a root cause. Neurological, of that. Yeah. Well, neurological th- you thank know. you.
3: Think think about, uh, you know, having the word at the tip of your tongue 24-7 every time you go to open your mouth. That's pretty profound. Think about, you know, trying to say the names of your family members or uh, to write, you know, simple words or uh, send someone a letter or an email, or to read a book or read a newspaper. I mean, so it it affects everything. And um, the other thing also is that no two people with a phaser are the same. So... Um, you know, it, it affects everybody differently, and so each person needs to be looked at as an individual.
2: And it's a very so it's a very personal affliction.
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, everybody is, is impacted differently, and um, also everybody, you know, goes about dealing with it differently. But, you know, part of what um, we do through the National Phasian Association is, you know, helping people to live successfully with aphasia and to go on with their, you know, quality of life.
2: Right, right. You know, I was talking to Jim uh, just previous, uh, just in the show intro uh, during, you know, our little intro chat, I guess, Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we were talking about is that as EMS, and this show is, as you know, uh, guided and made for EMS uh, Mm -hmm. professionals, um, and we, our job is to sort of start the assessment of what we're going to, the job we're going to, from the moment we get the call. So we get a little bit of text on the radio, we, oh, we get a little, I mean, get a little bit of text on the computer or a small description on the radio, and we're starting to form our opinions. And then mm-hmm. when we get to the site, we're now doing our sort of patient survey, our patient assessment. Right. And from the moment that we're looking at this person and trying to communicate with them, we're, we're, our sensors are up. We're, we're being hyper-aware of how they're communicating back to us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I assume that along with a lot of other maladies that, you know, affect the, the general population, but... Can be temporary in in the way that they uh, uh, the, in the way they they show themselves is these um, is the uh, what am I trying to get to is how aphasia can be disguised or fool us into thinking that it's mm-hmm. something else and I'm sure well, that you have a list.
3: Right. Well, you're you're absolutely correct in that. Uh, you know, obviously, you're going to if you're getting a call that someone's having a stroke, uh, that you know is very clear to you that they're probably going to have aphasia or that they you know have a brain injury. But what about the call that you get for someone you know who's perhaps having chest pain and has had their stroke or brain injury years in the past? And so now you show up, and um, there's a lot of misconceptions, unfortunately, about aphasia because. When someone can communicate, first of all, you know, our first uh, um, assumption is that they're less than intelligent or that they're mentally unstable. Um, But the big ones for, you know, EMS and also for police uh, and firefighters is if the person's under the influence of drugs or alcohol, Uh, especially when we have younger people now with aphasia because that's the first thing, you know, if someone is slurring their words or if someone can't be understood we think that they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And, and obviously, um, if they have aphasia, they could very well be also drinking, but, you know, for the most part, they're not, you know, aphasia is quite different than that. And so it's important to differentiate.
2: So how would we, what are some of the things that we could uh, use as tools to help differentiate uh, from those right. other causes?
3: So, you know, uh The first thing uh, with people with aphasia is um, for the most part everyone should have some kind of um, identification card or, you know, people do have, I mean, you know, these medical alert bracelets, but we actually have an ID card through the association that we encourage people with aphasia uh, to carry with them, and and, uh, most people will carry something so that at least they can show you that obviously they have aphasia, it's a communication impairment. But um, what's really important is, you know, to sort of um, get the person's attention, you know, before you speak, you know, to whatever extent possible, you know, minimize the background noise. Um, And then also um, ask them questions in the form of yes and no responses. So people with aphasia will do much better uh, if they can respond with just yes and no. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is sometimes people with aphasia mix up yes and no. So, um, you know, I always tell um, those people in healthcare uh, that they should have some kind of a, a small um, well, piece of paper with them or, or pencil or even one of those little uh, white boards, you know, write on and wipe off boards, so that because many people with aphasia can either write simple words or draw pictures, Um, But also if you have a little board that has a yes and a no response on it, uh, lots of times people can point to the right response or point to the letter. Um, So, um, you know, also sometimes with people with aphasia, you need to talk a little bit slower because they they need a little bit more time to process. Um, And also um, making sure that um, you're keeping your communication simple, but also keeping it adult. So, you know, um,
2: that's kind of interesting uh, you, because you just brought something to mind. And we're given, and usually they find uh, their way to a back pocket someplace, and then <laughs> eventually uh, they, they move off the ambulance entirely. But you were usually given, uh, at some points during the year, cue cards, you know, the ones with the pain scale and smiley face, yes, a few yes. words maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just wondering how useful... I mean, pain scale is useful for somebody, anybody who can't really communicate, unless right. they're not processing what the images are doing. Right. And as you said, that aphasia can be, you know, to a, a lack of ability to interpret the written word. So, how mm-hmm. good would a chart like that that you hand somebody and say, you know, what are you feeling, or where's the area that you're hurting? You know, I mean, that seems like a pretty tall barrier to communication.
3: Well, most people with aphasia can point to, you know, if you had a chart of the body, for instance, uh, they could probably point to the part of the body that was bothering them. Um, You know, they also could uh, differentiate, you know, if if you have faces, in other words, you know, happy and sad, and and in other words, how much pain are you in, and they can point to that. So uh, for the most part, um, most people with aphasia can actually communicate that way with you, um, and so you know. And as you said, those those right. kinds of tools are for people. They're just good communication tools, even for people that don't speak English. So it's you know it's good to have all these different little tricks. You know, even like I said, you know, a, a, a board where you can write little things down, because very often people with aphasia can get their point across. <laughs>
2: Right, right. Um, well, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, in, in an emergency situation, not everybody is going to have the thing, I mean, that's part of the definition of emergency, obviously. right? You don't it's always obviously. have the –
3: uh But for, You know, first, right, first and foremost, you know, you need to do your job. So we understand mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that you're going to be professional in doing your job. But, you know, keeping in mind the fact that sometimes you need to rely on the person in order to do your job because if they can't give you information, you're not sure, you know, what if they have a med- an allergy to something or, you know, something else has gone on. You don't want to do something that's, uh, you know, contraindicated. So, sure. Um, the most
2: important person in helping diagnose, you know, what's going on is the patient. So if right. you have a problem communicating, that, that gives a problem to treatment.
3: Right. And and so, you know, I think that the best thing to do, you know, is to ask them, do they have, you know, do they have any card or anything that they can show you, you know, about their condition? Because, um, like I said, most people with aphasia will carry that, and they also will carry, I mean, we encourage them to also carry things like we tell everybody, you know, with your medications and all that other information.
2: You know, I think... Um, after this first few minutes here, the, the I guess the most important takeaway, and you know, not certainly not the last takeaway, but one of the most important takeaways that I can derive from this is when you're coming into a situation where communication is an issue, uh, not to uh, jump to conclusions too quickly. Exactly. To, you know, exactly. To, to leave yourself open that there could, be, uh, other, um, there could be other reasons why that communication uh, is not going as smoothly as you might want.
3: Absolutely, and just because someone is not using words doesn't mean that they're not able to communicate either. So, you know, gestures are important, facial expressions, but we can communicate in so many different ways. So, um,
2: you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we asked, you know, Avi and I have worked together in the past. Actually, I'd like to say Avi and I have worked together. Uh, when I was just a buddy in EMT, Avi was that critical care paramedic that everybody looked up to and uh, jumped on the ambulance, I think, for a little bit of overtime, a little bit of easy work because I was BLS. And uh, But I remember, you know, that he was um, he was – at the time that we were working together, it was really nice to me uh, and um, very helpful because at the time I was studying to uh, I was studying to become a paramedic uh, ah. and that's pretty that 's how you know I had met uh, avi and avi 's going to be on he he 's standing by ready to to jump in i know but i 'm yeah. just curious of uh, now you met how did you meet avi
3: oh my. Well, I thought everybody knew Avi. (laughs) Um, Actually, I I met Avi through um, a local aphasia group that I was um, doing some work with, and um, he quickly, you know, let me know that, uh, you know, he had been uh, a paramedic, and um, when we started our emergency responder training program, where we're training uh, police, firefighters, and EMTs to know about aphasia, Uh, Avi was the first person that we asked to join us to tell his story and to go out and help us, and he is uh, a wonderful advocate for people with aphasia, and he uh, tries to spread the word as much as he can about aphasia, so I probably know Avi uh, almost as long um, as I've worked at the National Aphasia Association, almost about well, back to years, probably I know him.
2: That's awesome, and you know what? I want to bring Avi in, and Avi, I know you're right by there. I at about halfway through the show, we uh, sort of pay a nod to uh, one of the uh, sponsors of the show, and it's kind of important for us to have sponsors so we can continue to bring the show to you. So, uh, Jim.
1: Yeah, I just want to go ahead and uh, just take about a two-minute break and uh, just uh, talk about the sponsor a little bit. So, uh, Avi, Elaine, uh, you can either mute yourselves or just uh, just try to refrain from commenting as as the uh, sponsorship plays there. So, uh, No
2: pieces into the microphone,
1: please. Right, exactly, exactly. So let's do that, and then we'll come right back. And when we get back, we will uh, talk to Avi a little bit, who's been patient. Uh, hanging on for us and uh, give a little bit of his take and his story as well. Let's do that.
4: This episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. They've consistently been helping EMS agencies save time and energy with their innovative web-based software for staff scheduling and management. There's a mobile web app accessible from smartphones and other mobile devices with an easy-to-use web interface viewable from anywhere on the internet. You can check your own schedule and managers and staff can oversee, manage, and make changes to employee schedules from anywhere. Captain Chris Eaton from Springfield Township Fire Department Springfield, Ohio says, EMS Manager has cut our scheduling time nearly in half. It's allowed our trades to be monitored more efficiently and cut down the headache of scheduling dramatically. Nate and the entire staff have been prompt in answering our questions and correcting any problems that have arisen great system it's affordable too pricing for ems manager is based on the size of your organization and because it's web based your employee schedule and software is located in the cloud meaning there are no local additional it costs to worry about and there's always free training free tech support and free system software updates if you want this for your system Check out the free customizable trial of EMS Manager at emsmanager.net. I want to thank EMS Manager for sponsoring EMS Office Hours and other shows from the ProMed Network. EMS Manager is proud to support EMS providers and managers through the sponsorship and the support of what we do. Show your support for them. Take a few minutes and sign up for the free trial at emsmanager.net show them that you appreciate their support by trying out the software. Visit EMSManager.net for AladTech's EMS Manager for Online Employee Scheduling and Workforce Management. Let them know you heard it here on EMS Office Hours.
1: This is Paramedic Elias Redding from California, and you're listening to the EMS Office Hours podcast. Right, so uh, I want to again thank you, Ms. Magic, for the sponsorship. Um, uh, uh, Avi, are you still with us? I'm sorry to keep you on hold so long. Uh-oh. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello? Okay, good. All righty. Avi, I wanted to maybe, as best you can, I guess, just maybe uh, give us a little bit of your background uh, when it comes to this disorder and and, and you know how you uh, ended up getting this disorder and maybe your struggles and how how you know you've been dealing with it
0: sure um, six and a half years ago I was a paramedic and I used I was going to go to medical school but um, before that three months in the before I go to surgery, and in the surgery I have a stroke anesthesia.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So, you know, uh, to give a little bit, uh, expand that for some of the people who are listening, uh, you know, Avi worked at the same hospital I I am still working at, and um, he was all set to go on to medical school. And uh, before he went, he had a uh, uh, a condition that he needed corrected. It was kind of serious, but it was important enough to be corrected before the rigors of medical school. And as all surgery has risks, this surgery caused Avi to have a stroke, and uh, from that, he uh, he uh, recovered, but he recovered with uh, this aphasia. Is that uh, pretty much sum it up, Avi?
0: Well, um, well it was like six years ago. I don't know who Michael is, but whatever. Um, but later, I slowly left until now uh, I was uh, uh, talking.
1: Uh, no, no, okay.
2: I We're actually having a little problem with the communi- with the con- uh, with the contact with the communication.
1: And it's just the, the, the phone issue, I think. Right. Uh, okay.
0: One second. I'm going to call. I will call you back.
1: Okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. You. We can do that. I will call. You. All right. So, Elaine, while we're waiting for Avi to to give us a call back, there, um, I, I'm just wondering—is is, maybe I missed it when during your your um, overview of it? Uh, but is, is aphasia something that could be a standalone disorder, or is it always accompanying something else like a CVA, like you mentioned, migraines and uh, MS mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Is it something that can be a standalone disorder that you do, you might not well, say? you know, that patient's history is X, Y, Z, and you might sort of expect some sort of a neurological or communication issue, uh, something where the patient might not have anything but the aphasia.
3: Well, um, because it has to do with damage to the left side of the brain, where the language areas are, obviously the person has to have had some kind of brain damage um, for whatever reason. However, Um, even someone that's had a stroke or a brain injury or a brain tumor or even a progressive neurological disorder, the aphasia may be the only thing that they have. So, you know, oftentimes the person has no other physical uh, disabilities and nothing else that you can see. So, I mean, clearly, you know, to have aphasia, you have to have had some kind of brain damage.
1: Okay, so de- so there definitely will be a, some sort of a significant history going on there. So if they ask the right. patient their medical history, and they tell you that they've had something like that. You might lead to you to suspect that they could have this as a result of of whatever um, neurological damage they might have. Might have uh, right, you
0: know. but it,
3: but interesting. In- interestingly, with the migraines, you know, there's a lot of people that report that when they're having a severe migraine, they lose their ability to communicate.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
3: uh, there, and so there was actually a reporter a couple of years ago at the Grammy Awards. She was on television, and um, she couldn't speak. She started doing her report. She couldn't speak. And people thought, you know, for, of course, first they thought that she was drunk, but then they thought she was having yeah. a stroke. But as it turns out, it was a severe reaction to a migraine. And, and then it resolved for her, fortunately, um, and so you could see someone having severe communication difficulty, you know, which would be aphasia, but it's not, you know, uh, brain damage that's going to last.
1: Okay. I got gotcha.
3: you. Right, I think Avi is back with us
1: here. Look, he's calling him another, another number there. Avi, you back with us? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. All right, great. Oh, much better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where do, we, where do we leave off, Josh?
2: So, um Avi you were saying a little bit about um you, you you had made your introduction and you were we were going to say how um you know some of the hurdles that you faced in recovering from this recognizing, you know, that you had this condition and the things that you had to do to get past it.
0: Um, yeah, sure. Uh for First of all, everybody is different, so for me, thank God is slowly getting better every day uh, but a lot of people is mute or a lot of you know stuff like that he's um, mute or singing or whatever, or sometimes another people is is slowly getting better, but very, very slowly um, but fortunately thank God for me is is okay for me.
3: Well, and that's because Avi works very, very hard on his speech, and he goes to speech therapy, and he practices all the time. So it didn't just get better on its own. It's through a lot of hard work.
1: Right. But, Elena, is is there a, a percentage of what people could expect to see as far as improvement goes? You know, that's
3: the magic question, right? People always ask, well, when is my speech going to come back or how much is going to come back? And, um, you know, the answer is um, we don't really know. Um, But we do know that um, because the brain uh, can adapt all the time and um, because of neuroplasticity, meaning that the brain is constantly, you know, um, uh, learning and relearning, people with aphasia continue to improve throughout their lifetime. So um, while, you know, maybe early on the, the gains will be greater, um, you continue to improve. And so as Avi is saying, um, you know, even in the six years that I know Avi, he, his speech has improved tremendously. His reading and his writing is improving as well. Of course, it's not back to where it was, but it's certainly right. uh, improving every day.
1: And like you said, everybody is everyone is is different. So,
3: mm-hmm. I
1: guess that you know everybody's results. And, and like you said too, the fact that he works very hard at it, which I, which is probably a, a, a big factor in his oh, yeah. improvements as well. That you know, if he's you, you're doing what you're supposed to do, and, and and like you said, doing the speech therapy and and you know every all the things you can to improve, then you can expect that's you know. Better well, and just being it.
3: just being social and communicating, you know, and because Avi goes out and, and speaks, you know, to educate people about aphasia, all that is actually therapeutic if you think about it. You know, because the sure. more you're communicating, the more you know uh, the brain is working, and so uh, he's you know every day he's doing things to improve.
1: And what about what about the people that sort of? You know, I mean, this is something that's a uh, uh, pretty significant disorder to have, and I'm sure you know some people must must end up getting this and then feel sort of beaten, and they don't they don't do any sort of uh, uh, therapy to improve, and they they don't go go out and, and have any sort of interaction and and or anything, and, and it doesn't improve. I mean, is this a is this type of thing where if if they do nothing, it can get worse, or Either no, will the they brain won't, will... get
3: worse. It won't get worse, but they certainly, you know, won't improve at the same rate. Um, mm-hmm. The big part of it is that it becomes socially isolating, so when people right. can't communicate, they get depressed, um, mm-hmm. but, but part of the problem is that a lot of people don't know where to get services, where to get therapy, where to access resources, so, you know, that's why it's really important for people to get connected, I mean, and that's, Part of the mission of the National Stage Association is to help connect people with those resources.
1: Right. So, Avi, just back to you real quick. What are you doing right now? What are you doing now? You know, uh, work-wise or your day-to-day activities? What is the What is your typical day like now? Going on? You know, moving forward. Um.
0: Sure. Well, it's um. Two the, uh, two days is Adler Stage Center, and. Three days is Mona Greenfield is uh, speech pathology, and then okay. I, and then I go to lecture. oh uh, Well, I is uh, me and uh, National Aphasia Center going a lecture with uh, police, firemen, EMS, and also speech pathology student faculty and um, like um, other stuff like that. People who don't know what aphasia is, I I can I can talk with people. Um, okay. Uh,
2: Abhi, and, is that in between the skydiving and scuba diving that you're doing? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> uh no, i uh, know. Actually that's different. Um, I um like uh three years ago all, all uh, for me I say uh um extreme sports. I love the extreme sports. And I was like, oh, you know what, maybe I can come I can go to talk with people is uh, disability. Um and I say, Come, let's go, let's have fun. So a lot of people come along, uh, uh stroke, yes, an but also MS or uh um wheelchair or stuff like that. And a lot of a lot of people have fun and uh, so yeah, it's laughing and joking and really uh get, uh very nice. Very nice.
2: So, um the uh so you're just so actually you're using um, you're you're using this as a, as a way to get to uh nice resorts and beaches. Um, and that's that's really the truth here, isn't it?
0: Uh, basically yeah. <laughs>
3: no. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> he admits to it now. Yes. Yeah, he actually tries to get everybody he comes in contact with to start to do all the extreme sports with him, the, the snowboarding and the, the gliding and everything, yeah. Yeah. So, um,
2: okay. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, no,
0: it's okay. Oh and, uh, oh, and the other thing is I also go to hospital to visit patients who is joke also. Oh.
2: Wow! It seems that you're uh, you stay busy. I gotta say, your your attitude and everything else. I could not say I would be the same.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> uh, it, listen, it's a lot of fun, uh, and everybody is very nice, and that's it. You
3: know, and I'll be an inspiration to every other people as well.
2: So, uh, Elaine, do you have, uh, did, did, uh, I don't remember if we covered this I, because we've covered so much, but do you have any uh, specific tips that you could give us for EMS when they're in these situations in order to better communicate?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Um, so a couple of things that will work are, um, first of all, making sure you have the person's attention, Um, don't make assumptions, as we said, Um, present one thing at a time, so speak to someone simply, Uh, not too much complex language, but keep it adult, Um, confirm that they're understanding, so ask them, do you understand me, Um, use yes-no questions, which are helpful, because it's easier for people to respond to that, Uh, have Paper and pencil handy if you can, because some people can write simple words. Um, and you know, be flexible. Try different ways to get the ideas in and the ideas out. Gestures work really well. Facial expressions, pointing, whatever it takes. So um, you know, just and staying calm and professional. Oh, and the one thing I didn't mention: um, a lot of people with aphasia, even if uh, they can't uh, speak fluently. Usually, those uh, four-letter words come very easily, and so um, don't take offense because they're really not not directed at you, and it's just automatic speech, and that's how the brain works, and we're able to use those words really easily.
2: I I fully recognize that those <laughs> words come very easily to me, and if my speech uh, eventually goes, I'm sure those will be the the last words that
0: I will say.
1: Right well listen, i i, I we could start wrapping this up a little bit, so i w i maybe avi will go to you first if you, if you don't mind is that him coughing are you okay yeah you're I'm right sorry. are you okay okay yeah no
0: it's it's a no problem at all <laughs> <laughs> good.
1: Well, if you want to, Avi, just maybe just give us some closing thoughts on, on your end of it, and then we'll go to Elaine, let her give some closing thoughts, and uh, we'll we'll end out the show. I mean, it's, this show went pretty quick. We're almost at the 10-minute mark here. We're almost um, about 10 minutes left, so we really flew by. So um, I'm glad you guys joined us. But let, let's go ahead and, Avi, give us some uh, whatever closing thoughts you want to give, and then we'll kick it over to Elaine, let her give her, her closing thoughts. Uh, you know. Uh, we got it. Well. We, uh, we got that, too. Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm repeating myself. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, basically, today uh, is work, 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 and work a lot, and uh, try. And that's
2: it. <laughs> well, that's something. Don't give up.
1: Yeah, I think okay. that's, it's important, though. I, I think it, it's motivating to hear you know that Avi, you know, went through what he went through and didn't give up. And you know, six years is a, you know, it's a long time to to struggle and and to you know to make the the improvements that he did is pretty astounding. And Avi, I understand you
2: recently re-certed as a medic again.
1: Yes, uh, yes. And
0: it, oh my it, God! Indeed, yes. So you're
2: back. So you're back in the. You'll be back in the field. We all should worry. <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, indeed, and how?
2: Ha- like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, awesome, excellent. Elaine, so, anything you, know, you want to leave that, us with?
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, want you to know uh, that aphasia um, doesn't mean it's the end of your life. That people can continue to move on. Uh, that the National Aphasia Association is. Uh, an organization that can be there for you. We promote public education and, and support services, and um, that we also have an emergency responder training program, so that if anybody listening is interested in having training, uh, Avi goes with us, and we've done training all across the country of police, firefighters, and EMTs. And, um, you know, that uh, as health professionals, we, we all need to um, make sure that we're treating people with respect as we do our job and uh, understanding that communication is key to survival.
1: That's great. Great. I think this is a, a really informative uh, episode, I think, uh, Elaine. I, I thank you and Ab for joining us. My and pleasure. Giving this information right. out. I think it is important. And I know, you know, Tina had mentioned in the chat room, you know, and this is something I stress a lot on, on a lot of the, the content I put on my website is is to to not, you know, get this sort of tunnel vision and to over- keep all the possibilities of what might be going on with your patient in mind. And mm-hmm. this is one of those things that you kind of have to be aware that people might have and not just, like you said, not treated as if somebody might be on drugs or, or drunk or something like that. It could very well be that they have aphasia that is the reason why they're having a problem communicating, and you need to look at exactly. the, the reasons why they might have it, and that might lead you down the path of what we talked about too, as far as uh, maybe having a past history of a stroke or, or um, uh, you know some sort of a, a neurological issue, or even like you said too, Elaine, that the whole migraine uh, issue. So keep that in mind, mm-hmm. and if you get a migraine patient that might not be able to communicate as well, it could very well be why they're having your, a right. problem, you know, communicating with you. So. Um, so, guys, thanks. Uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe we'll have awesome. you back. We'll, we'll put a put a different uh, angle on it. Maybe have you back yeah. to talk a little bit more about this topic.
3: We'd love to. And thank you so much for having us on and for highlighting aphasia. And uh, I think it's important that you know we educate as many people as we can.
1: All right. Great. Thank you, Avi, as well. Our pleasure. Thank you for yeah. very very much. All right. Have a great thanks, day, thanks, Avi. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All
0: right.
1: All right, everyone, um, I'm going to be putting uh, links up uh, for the National Aphasia Association. It's on the blog, talk radio notes, but I'll put it up in the show notes as well, along with uh, their Facebook page will be in the show notes uh, also. So anybody looking for more information or for more uh, uh, tips or, or, you know, what we talked about tonight I'm sure is covered, uh, within the website where you can go uh, get some more information on how to recognize uh, this going on with your patients. So go check that out. Um, and again, don't forget, check us out on Twitter. We're at EMS Safe on Twitter. Uh, Josh is at WantNew on Twitter. I want to thank uh, Tina in the chat room, as always, for joining us. And of course, uh, John Broyles from One Union on The Webcast uh, popping in the chat as well. And uh, talking about things in the chat room is what we're conversing on here uh, live on the show. So I appreciate their input as well. And I'll have their link to their shows and their blogs um, in the show notes uh, also. So that's it, Josh. I appreciate it. Um, again, a good show. Any other, anything you want to mention, Josh? Am I forgetting anything? Before we-
2: no. I, no, that was uh, that was really a uh, good summation. Uh, I, I guess I just wanted to say, because I sit here in Marvel – that uh, you know, when I was just a, a budding medic, that uh, Avi uh, was an inspiration to me, and I know several others. And uh, even after he faces uh, a fairly uh, a fairly significant event, he continues to be an inspiration to others. And that I think is uh, something that we could all look to ourselves and how do we conduct ourselves. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I and mean, I think it's
1: great that he he took that and. Became a speaker and a champion for this cause, and to be able to and and to recognize that this is the type of thing that uh, educating fire and police and EMS personnel on on this disorder, you know, helps us understand it and, and recognize it when we we come in contact with people who might have it, and also the people that have it, you know, if they know that that the you know their first responders and their public safety you know people are being trained in this have uh, more confidence in, in what we know and how we understand things that go on. It's not all just cut and dry. You know, it's not all CPR and, you know, uh, uh, shocking. You know, there's a lot more to what we do than that. And 100%. You know, this is the type of show that really proves that there's so much that's involved in EMS and so much that we have to know and to continue knowing. And the learning never stops. Right, exactly. And this is the type of show I think that really, I think, kind of, uh, you know, highlights that, you know, that there's no end, really, to how much that we can actually, you know, learn and and add to our uh, knowledge, you know, our knowledge base. So, all right, Josh, that's it. I guess uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Jim. Meantime, be safe, okay? All right, you too. All right, anyone else out there, you have some comments, questions for the show, be sure to send them over to me. My email is jhoff at com. If you have a suggestion for a show or a topic, be sure to send over to me as well. I'd love to go ahead and include something that you'd like to hear talked about here on the show. So until next week, as always, Jim Hoffman for EMS Office Hours. Stay safe.